That is the sound outside the Russian consulate Tuesday evening as members of uh, Toronto's Ukrainian community rallied in support of their country. And this, of course, follows the brutal bombing campaign that took place over the weekend. The strikes in civilian areas, civilian targets, and of course all hailed by the hawks of Moscow as a turning point to show Russia's resolve, where the reality is Vladimir Putin is losing this war and uh, is cornered, clearly willing to take everyone down with him. Nonetheless, Ukraine still stands to fight another day. Mark Schweck is with the Toronto branch of the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, and you were the lead organizer of last night's protest, which uh, is the Stand With, uh, and you also are with the Stand With Ukraine Committee. It's great to have you, Mark. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pretty big rally, and some will say that rallies don't matter, but they are, in fact, happening all over the world, and we certainly have an enormous Ukrainian community here, and and I have to think for morale purposes, it helps. Absolutely does. You know, we had rallies all over the world take place, uh, both yesterday and the day before, and some are going to take place today, and it's to remind the world that Ukraine is still battling uh, the world's greatest dictator. It's battling for democracy, it's battling for NATO, it's battling for European Western democratic values. And Ukraine is on the front line. And if Ukraine loses this war, the war is going to go to Poland and the Baltic states. Putin's already expressed his belief that the USSR should be recreated and expanded to a sphere of influence around the former USSR. They've reported deaths to date of uh, 14,000, but that's just the reported deaths. It's actually thought to be a figure much, much higher than that. But it's getting to the point where I have to think that those here in Canada likely have friends or family directly impacted by these uh, these numbers. Absolutely. Everybody knows somebody now in our community who has perished. Um, you know, my, my two closest neighbors here of Ukrainian background, my immediate neighbor lost his nephew, 22-year-old young cadet that was became an officer. And he was sent to the front lines and, and he perished in the in back in May. Uh, bright future, really nice guy, was engaged to be married. And my other neighbor, their, uh, their nephew, was the one that uh, went early on in the war and sacrificed his life by blowing up a bridge to stop the Russian tanks. So those are two stories just around my block that I'm aware of. And everybody has a story of somebody they know they've lost. The other challenge, and there are so many right now, is not just that Ukrainians are now living in this new kind of chapter where, um, you know, places that were thought to be maybe safe for a while from from Putin's uh, reach are being hit again, where you've got capital like the, the Kiev capital, um, you know, seeing bombing, civilian targets being being targeted. And so they're living in fear, but their power is also being cut off. And so there's a huge impact now on the ground heading into cold weather. Uh, Ukraine's a heck of a lot colder than Canada um, at the coldest of days. And so there's going to be some real challenges if they can't get those power structures back up and running. Absolutely. Um, so Putin, what he's doing, he can't win on the ground against the army. So what he's doing, he's trying to hit their families and demoralize the population in general. He's bombing cities, um, city after city is being bombed. You've seen some of the destruction. Um, so he's trying to demoralize them just before winter hits and destroy the power grid if he can. And and you've seen what he does to cities when they invade. They just come and wholesale bomb a city top to bottom. They don't care. The Ukrainians, when they uh, try and recapture territory, have to work around cities because they don't want to bomb their own people. That's the subtle difference of this war. One is a complete annihilation of everything and everybody. And the others are trying to save and surgically cut through and win back territory. So it's an uneven war to begin with. Uh, mm -hmm. And then Putin's willing to sacrifice absolutely everybody he has, throwing young recruits out there, throwing bombs. 
And does he go nuclear at some point? Mm -hmm. That is the great unknown, certainly, at this point. You know, the real action, I mean, yeah, Canada's an ally. I know there were meetings with other world leaders on um, Tuesday. And certainly uh, we are supporting with money uh, and more weaponry. There's literally not enough weaponry that we can get to Ukraine. The big thing they need are, are uh, shields to stop the bombs from dropping. And I think they've gotten a bit more support from Germany on that front. But the real weapon is cutting off energy supplies to and from uh, Russia. That has not been done because, frankly, uh, Europe and, and many other countries signed a deal with the devil on this stuff. So the, the thing that we need to do the most, we aren't doing. That's right. We're funding the war. We, the West, are funding the war. Uh, Canada and the U.S. could supply Europe with energy. If, we, if we've got our infrastructure uh, put together, we could supply them. Uh, Europe is dependent on Russian oil and gas, unfortunately. They need to uh, uh, get off that dependency as quick as possible, and we need to help them to do that. Um, the other thing that the West needs to do is, and you mentioned Germany, Germany's finally starting to step up, but still not at the capacity they could help. The U.S. has done uh, tremendous in terms of uh, providing Ukraine with support, but they still have to provide the heavy weapons. We've underscored this many times. They keep um, dripping and drabbing the, the weapons, only enough for Ukraine to survive. And Ukraine needs to push Russia out of its territory. And what they need are the long-range HIMARS, the 300-kilometer missiles that the U.S. has in particular, and air defense systems to protect Ukrainian skies. You saw 80-plus 80, 80 missiles launched at Ukraine. They managed to stop 40, but 40-plus 40 still got hit their targets. And Ukraine needs to defend its territory. Yeah, and it's getting harder. I mean, look, Ukrainians have proved themselves to be just tough as, as hell. Um, they have done the unexplainable, the undoable, and defied every expectation around the world, but they can't do this forever. I mean, fighting a war in the winter is a much different scenario after eight months of exhaustion and, and trying to, to keep up. Um, but, but nonetheless, they just keep persevering. Absolutely. And the West needs to decide, do we want... A quick, you know, everybody talks about peace. Well, if you want peace, you've got to push Russia out completely out of Ukraine, including Crimea, eastern Ukraine, all the territories. If you want peace, you have to let Putin and Russia know that if they invade Ukraine this time or next time, the West will come and help Ukraine. They're on the front line of democracy. This is where dictatorship, meet, dictatorship meets democracy on Ukraine's border. And Ukraine is fighting, again, Europe's war, uh, the war for democracy, for Western values. And we have to decide, do we want them to win? If we do, we need to give everything they need immediately so that we don't have thousands and thousands of people uh, dying. So mothers don't lose their sons. So uh, sisters don't lose their brothers and, and children don't lose their fathers. Um, this is a tragedy, uh, should never happen. And we got to help Ukraine as quick as possible to push the, uh, the armies of Russia back home over the border. Nonetheless, your voice and the others will not be quiet. So I appreciate you uh, joining us, Mark, and we will keep it on the spotlight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for the time and for all of Canadians who have supported Ukraine. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, I wish we could do more. That's Mark Schweck with the Toronto branch of the Ukrainian Canadian Congress. Again, I wish we could be the source and we should be the answer to the problems because we should be supplying our liquefied gas. To Europe, that should have been done. That should have been eight months ago. That should have been a pivot immediately by the Trudeau government to say, look, we will be the solution here. And we aren't. So uh, Mark is right. We are funding this war. But again, thoughts and prayers. So there'll be some tough decisions. I suspect maybe after the midterms, maybe we'll see a turn. But by then, who knows where we'll be.